This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with the App Show. I've got uh, my good friends here, John Beeler and Graham Williams. Uh, my name is Mike Agarbo. We have a great show for you today. Later on, uh, we're going to be talking with Ted Kritsonos out of Toronto about Audible versus audiobooks.com. If you are into books and specifically audio versions of those books, uh, we're going to compare two of the most popular subscription services out there to let you know which is the best one. We'll also be talking about updating your phone. Should you do it right away when the updates come out? Well, we'll give you the pros and cons. And uh, uh, I think we have some very polarizing <laughs> opinions uh, on on that. And we'll be opening up our listener mailbag as well. We'll be taking some of your questions and answering them uh, on the air. Let's get into uh, some of the news here, guys. Uh, the first story here, I'm amazed. And at the same time, I'm like, why? A developer has shown how to run DOS on your iPhone. So do you remember computers from way back? They ran DOS, disk operating system. And this was like a command line interface to run your programs and things like that. Not very user-friendly. And so cool that he's able to port it over to an iPhone, but at the same time, why, John? Uh, A couple of good reasons. Sometimes there's some really amazing nostalgic games that you want to play on your phone. Okay, fair enough, yeah. So what's interesting is that this developer figured out that you can actually... (laughs) You can actually plug in, you know, you can get those dongles for like a, on the iPhone. Yeah. Uh, lightning to USB. Like a little adapter. Yeah. Yeah. Module. So you can actually plug in certain peripheral devices. Uh, you can't use a CD-ROM drive because it's a whole other kind of thing, but he did find you could use a floppy disk drive. So you can hook a floppy disk drive up to your iPhone. Yeah. And so what he did is <laughs> he went on eBay and he bought one of his favorite games from the DOS era. Yeah. And he bought it shrink-wrapped, still with the floppy disk inside for a couple bucks and he took the disk out, stuck it in his floppy disk drive and plugged in his iPhone and he was able to launch and install the game on his iPhone. And play it. And play it, yeah. This almost feels like a security feature for me. You could actually keep documents that you were important to you that you didn't want anyone to steal on floppy disk media because <laughs> who the hell has that anymore? <laughs> This is security by obscurity in the very best way. I approve of this. Now, here's the thing. For those of you out there who are thinking, really, I should go out and buy a a floppy disk drive and some old game. You can actually get a lot of these games on goodoldgames.com. It's gog.com, where they're running an an emulator called DOSBox, um, which is basically kind of what this is doing. It's it's, it's emulating the software um, on an iPhone. Uh, That said... Uh, a whole lot less portable than taking your phone and perhaps a floppy drive with you. That's the new hipster at Starbucks, though, the guy that rocks out his floppy disk drive. <laughs> Can you imagine <laughs> pulling that out of your laptop bag, basically? To <laughs> That'll turn some heads. Yeah, and hooking it into your iPhone. Oh, my God, we need to do that. I think we do. I think we actually have a floppy disk drive here somewhere. Do we? I think so. Oh, my God. From an old Atari. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Okay, let's look at some of the other uh, mobile and app news out there. This one is interesting. Rectenna harvests electromagnetic energy from 5G signals. And I know there's going to be a bunch of people out there going, I told you so. Yes. 5G is bad. But this isn't really saying 5G is bad. Scientists have found a way to actually harvest electricity, power, from the 5G signals that will be used by all the, the, the phones coming up in the next few years. Yeah, they, they actually uh, were able to 3D print a rectifying antenna, also known as a rectenna, um, and it actually can get, I mean, it's not a lot of power, 
but it's enough to power some of these really small sensors and IoT devices. So the thought behind this is that because of this particular uh, array of antenna design that they have, they're actually getting 20 plus times more power literally from the air, just enough to power some of these little sensors. And this is amazing from an environmental standpoint because this means tens of millions of batteries won't be needed for these types of devices or a charging mechanism as well. That is just amazing. So is there any concern about safety? Well, (laughs) I mean, those signals are already going out there, right? Yeah. I mean, realistically, no, this is, this is just, this is catching stuff as it's moving through the air. Right. Like, Like this is, when you take a look at this, there, there, there are so much technologies like a solar sail, right? Being able to to push a spacecraft through the air, being able to gather that energy that literally is already there. There's no more, no less. It's literally all it's doing is it's almost acting like a rainwater collector, collecting that stuff and being able to use it and put it to good use. So, you know, to to, to John's point, like there's there's cool little technologies. You know, in a, in a TV show where we see somebody slap on a tracking dot on somebody and you're like, how the hell did that work? Like, where was your transmitter? Where was your power? This is the type of thing that this enables, which means that spy movies are going to be way more believable now. That's a, that's a big plus for me. Well, because, you know, I, I see some of these technologies, uh, you know, like even they're, they're talking about uh, contact lenses, smart contact lenses in the future. I'm like, how are you powering those? You can't put a power cable to that. But I guess <laughs> this type of technology might be able to lend itself to that in the future. Yeah, I mean, and Nikola Tesla really had talked about this sort of wireless power phenomenon over a century ago, and so we're we're, we're getting to a point now where uh, I, I think we're going to see some of that dream realized. Let's move on to another story. Uh, this comes uh, from our friends over at Mobile Syrup, and uh, I'm totally surprised by this. Canadians pay the highest prices in the world for 20 gigabyte data plans. Shock. <laughs> Apparently, apparently, we pay seven times more for 20 gigabytes on average than France. Like, if you've been over to Europe, and we have, yeah, it's amazing how cheap. Well, just before the pandemic, you and I went to Spain, yeah. and we were going to be there for about 10 days. And on, on Amazon, we bought our own SIM cards. I think it was $14 or something crazy. And we got like 20 gigs of data and unlimited phone calls in Europe <laughs> for $14. Yeah, that's crazy. And that's a pay-as-you-go plan. It's even cheaper if you're actually having a month-to-month plan over there. So looking at some of the other plans, uh, it it does change a bit. Uh, So 15 gigabyte plans, Canada's the third highest in the world. And for five gigabyte plans, which a lot of people are on, um, we're sixth highest. So I I don't think this is coming as any surprise to anyone out there. I mean, we have talked about this on the program. We have seen the prices drop on on mobile plans over the past year there's no question but i think uh you know from from this uh this research it looks like we have uh, a bit of a ways uh, to go on on that and i'm not going to get your opinion graham because i know you're going to go crazy <laughs> uh one, one last uh news story here uh, apple maps has now added local airport covid19 information at over 300 destinations yeah, this is a really cool feature that they've been rolling out across the world. I think right now in Canada, it's only for Toronto. I don't think it's for YVR yet. But basically, if you're going somewhere, uh, as you know, the summer rolls on and, and travel starts up again, uh, you can find out what requirements are at that particular airport just to l- arrive there. 
and what other, you know, uh, COVID-19 protocols are in place, what kind of tests you need to actually have, because sometimes they're actually specifying the type of test you need to have to be able to enter that country? I think that's handy. I mean, I can see travel kind of going up again this year as more people get vaccinated. Yeah. And we get closer to some type of herd immunity. Yeah, and I think the the intent behind this is sort of collate all that information in one place. So you just go to you know, Apple Maps to the airport, and it'll show you all the policies and protocols that are in place to go there. We're going to open up our listener mailbag here on the app show. And uh, we've got some great questions today. You want to go with the first one here, John? Yeah, Sibley was asking about uh, recycling your old computers, your mobile phones, your computers, laptops, that type of thing, but getting and making sure that your personal information is not going to be on those devices. So whether you're selling the device or whether you're taking it to the recycler, that type of thing. Um, this is a, a really interesting question because I actually have a garage full of my old hard drives. I think almost every hard drive I've ever purchased. <laughs> Do you? Yeah, I just haven't had a chance to take it out back with a sledgehammer to destroy them because that's yep. really the only way to know for sure. Yeah, but not everyone's got going to physically sledgehammer their hard drive though right no yeah so the uh-huh. um the, the 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 main thing is you can do a number of different things depending on the device so if you have like a laptop or a desktop with a hard drive you're going to want to do what's called a military grade wipe yeah and there's different apps depending on the platform that you can do that and basically what it does is it writes zeros and ones over every single sector on that hard drive and let's let's explain that when you delete a file on a hard drive, it basically is still there. It's uh, just uh, you know put it in the background, and it's there until you write new information on top of it. Yes, yeah. So all it does is it deletes the sort of like the the table of contents for that drive, and it doesn't actually delete the data. So if someone has the right tools, they could actually go and do that. And there's been lots of people on the internet that have shown they've gone to like the thrift store bought a computer and then uh, were able to get someone's tax information off of that old hard drive. This is why data recovery services work. Think of it this way. It's almost like um, having a street and that's the street is your, is your hard drive and the house that you're living in is, uh, is, is the file. When you delete a file, it literally just takes the number off the front of the house. The, the, the structure is still there. So when you really want to get rid of it, when you want to knock the house down, you've actually got to build something right on top of it. And that's what that zeros and ones does. It's called zeroing the drive out. Now, there are apps that can do it, but you can also, if you're feeling a little tacky, um, you can you can Google how to zero out a hard drive. And there are command line things that will show you how to do this in both Windows and on a Mac. And there are some companies now uh, that, uh, you know, when you re- take stuff for recycling, um, that will actually do that for you as well. So then you just got to have the trust that they do it. <laughs> uh, Graham, let's talk about smartphones. Uh, if you're going to be giving your smartphone to someone else, uh, yes. you'll want to completely wipe that. And there's pretty easy settings to do it. There are, yeah. And I mean, one of the first things that you're going to have to do, especially with an, with an iPhone, is actually disconnect it from iCloud. Um, because if you are basically not disconnecting from iCloud and you do wipe the phone, the moment you hand it to that person, they're going to try to 
to, to boot it up for the first time, they're going to need dry cloud password. This is actually a security feature to prevent someone from stealing your phone and being able to use it. Very crafty on Apple's part. Um, and really, it's, it's keeping more stolen phones out of people's hands. Uh, but you will need to deactivate that service. So basically, your process should be, if you've got, a Google, uh, got an Android phone or if you've got an iPhone, go into your respective accounts, so your Google account for uh, your Android phone, your iCloud account for your iPhone, disconnect from that service, right? Log out, make sure that you've got Find My Whatever device turned off, and then go down to your settings and do a full-on wipe of that device. And that's right in the settings, the general settings uh, of whether it's an Android phone or an iPhone. Uh, you can erase the contents and everything. They call it something different, I think, on almost every operating system and sometimes even different phones on Androids. So just go to the your settings and just go into search and just type reset and it'll show you your options. But you want to do the erase everything and basically factory restore your device. Yeah, your two best bets are erase all or factory re- reset. Yeah. Let's uh, move on to the next question. Uh, we have Ingrid asking uh, about watching TV on her mobile device, her phone or tablet. Uh, she subscribes to Shaw TV and she's heard that she can watch it on her phone if she's out and about. And yes, yes, you can. Not everyone uses that feature. I, I actually use it. And, uh, you know, depending on your uh, cable TV provider, whether that's like a Rogers, Bell, Telus, or, or Shaw, they typically all have some type of app that will allow you. Uh, you'll have to log in with your account. Uh, yeah. So make sure that when you are setting up for the first time, uh, you'll go to the app store, you know, type in Shaw, for example, and you'll find the, the Shaw TV app. Uh, when you log in for the first time, you will need your account information to set up a username and password so they know it's you and that you can get in. Uh, but once the, app cur- I was gonna say, the app currently for Shaw is called um, Blue Curve. It used to be called Free Range. It's now called Blue Curve. Yeah. Yeah. They keep changing it to wacky names. Yes. Yeah. But hey... <laughs> Telus has Telus Optic TV. Uh, I'm not sure what Rogers has. Yeah, they they all have it. Just do a, a search for it on the uh, the app stores. Uh, but essentially, once you've entered in your account information and set up a, a username and password, you are good to go. And it's cool. Like you can watch all your TV channels live. In some cases, uh, you can actually set recordings. Uh, you know, hey, I want to watch uh, Grey's Anatomy. Let's uh, record that at eight o'clock, and you can go in and watch that too anytime. That's the thing. I've used it a few times when you know we're doing a global segment like oh, let's actually have a, re- a copy of that so yeah you can you can remotely set up to record a, a specific tv show without actually having to be there at home with your remote so the one thing is that um yeah, i i found you can't watch this outside of canada right like if uh, i went traveling i can't right now but if i went down to the u.s or any other country outside of canada the app won't work because it it knows where you are Unless you use a VPN. Yes. And you could use a VPN. Yeah. And trick it. Yes. Into thinking you're in Canada. Yeah. That's another episode. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be, yeah. Uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, a really cool app that uh, I've been using a lot, uh, especially for my mom. She likes to buy lottery tickets uh, and play Kino and get the little scratches. Uh, there's a great uh, app that they have, uh, the Lotto app. Uh, works with uh, BC Lotto. I'm sure they have them for other provinces as well. Uh, but the best feature is it's got a ticket scanner on it. Yes. Uh, this has changed my life because my mom was always getting me to type the numbers, you know, go to the, the website and see the numbers for the lottery and, and what have you. Now with this app, again, uh, it's called the Lotto app, the BC Lotto app. Uh, you 
can use the scanning feature and scan the barcode that's on every lottery ticket, whether it's a scratch, Kino. It's just like that little machine that's typically at the place of purchase. Exactly. You've got it in your pocket now. And you can even buy your tickets without having to go to a store. Yeah, that's not good. (laughs) Well, it's interesting though. They do actually, you can set limits so you can only spend so much in a given week. Yeah, that's true. And you have to load your account with money. So you can't just have, unless you win a lot, then you would draw from that. Yeah. You and know, they email if you win, which is great too. Yeah. I set up a BC Lotto account, you know, on the web. Yeah. Because I thought, hey, it'd be kind of fun to try the blackjack. And um, and we also, we did a Kino thing. Like my mom loves Kino and we can't really go to the pubs right now. Yeah. Right. Uh, so I set it up for her so that she can have it on her TV, like kind oh, of God. airplay it to the TV. <laughs> uh, anyway, there was a bit of stuff to do there. But yeah, so I tried the lottery thing out and did a bit of blackjack. I put 50 bucks in, you know, in the account. It was gone within like five minutes. So. (laughs) (laughs) Like real life. I like to say it's rigged, but I think I'm just a crappy blackjack player. I I will say one thing about the BC Lotto app, because I've used it to buy tickets. I usually only buy them when the Lotto Max is really high. Yeah. But I find that when you do the the quick picks, I get like, oh, great, four numbers in a row. How (laughs) random is that? It's not random at all. Well, we'll have to give them some feedback. We're going to talk about updating your software. And uh, we do a lot of that with our smartphones uh, as well. There's the two main types out there. You either got an iPhone or an Android phone, and there are updates coming out all the time. So we want to just talk about, we'll call it best practices. Should you update right away when a new update comes out? And I'm going to start with you, John, your thoughts. Well, I'm probably not the best person because I'm usually running a beta version of stuff. So I'm usually about three months ahead of the public releases for everything. Yeah, your phone's on fire and smoking. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of the time. Yeah. I'm willing to take that risk, though, so you don't have to. Yes, you're working out all the, the problems. Yes. Grant, what do you what do you think? I feel like John's there, you know, there's go, there goes my hero. Watch him as he goes. That's I won't do the beta thing. Um, and I would say if you are an ordinary user out there, there are two types of updates. That you need to look at. One is the major feature update, right? This is, you know, you go from iOS 13 to iOS 14, you go from iOS 14 to iOS 14.1, and then there are security updates. So these are usually, you know, you've got your number, point, number, point, one, point, two, point, three. Out of those two, the most crucial to update are your security updates, right? If these things get pushed out, if, there, if there's an emergency, there's a zero day exploit. This means that there are hackers out there that have some weird way of doing something funky with your phone. They'll push out an update right away. We saw this actually in the last uh, week or so. I think Apple put out 14.4.1. Um, and John, I imagine you're running 14.5 point something right now. Like point, point on six beta. or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, so for myself personally, when a new OS uh, comes out for my phone, I'll usually wait two or three weeks. So iOS 14 came out and I waited about a week or two because there are usually some things that come out of the woodwork. You've got maybe an accessory or maybe there's an app that you use fairly regularly, which let's look at these app developers. You've been given plenty of time to work on this from Apple and from Google. They announced these things in advance. You got beta programs in advance. They still don't get it done. I'm a little ticked about that, but you can protect yourself by not updating right away with the major feature updates. Security updates, though, those are non-negotiable. So we're nerds, uh, and we're kind of up to speed when they come out with these new updates, whether it's a feature update or a security update. But I would, I would guess that a lot of the listeners like don't care <laughs> enough to know all of that. Like, how can you tell when it's a security update as opposed to feature updates? 
Well, I, I think that's it. Basically, if there's if there's a big fanfare about it, like this update is coming on this day, you know, it's coming in September. That's that's going to be one of your future updates. Or if you see in the news, you know, Apple has released 14.5. And again, it's that, you know, number point, number point one number point number point two so 14.4.1 that's a security update these these sort of sub updates that go down those are usually one of the ones that you need to look for now there's a really easy way to do this um you don't you don't have to wait you don't have to do it right away but both apple and google make this pretty simple you can actually set up automatic updates uh in your in your device um rarely after the initial feature update so after you upgrade from you know 13 to 14 after that initial update rarely are there problems so, you know, you can hold off on the main feature update, but, you know, your 14 point, uh, 14.1, 14.2, 14.3, they tend to be okay, right? And they usually are bug fixes as well. So after the major updates, personally, I turn my automatic updates on and just let it happen. Yeah, I think the, the key thing with the automatic updates is quite often people will get that pop-up at the worst possible time. Like, I got to do a, an important call in five minutes. I can't do this update right now. So they just hit, you know, remind me later or, or just cancel out of it. And then they forget about it until it, it, it alerts them again. So generally when you do automatic updates, it should do them overnight so that you're not having to think about it. You're not having to defer a call or whatever, that type of thing, whenever it's, you know, charging, plugged in at night, sitting on your charger, whatever. Um, that's the best time to do those things. Um, but yeah, I, I will say I, on all my devices, I have automatic app updates and automatic software updates. I'm willing to risk that because you always want the latest and greatest. Well, I do. Yeah. Yeah. But it's tough. Like, you know, we've seen in the past when there has been a major update and major problems, right? Yeah. That come out of the woodwork. Yeah. But you're willing to, to roll those dice. Right. But I, I, I think if there, if someone did have a major problem with a major device manufacturer's update, that device manufacturer will make it right. How long it takes you to get it to that point might be differing depending on which manufacturer you know i don't want to just say apple is the only one doing these updates android certainly does this but it's a little bit more complicated on the android side because sometimes they're tied to carriers providing those updates or, are, they, are the carriers really doing those like on on the apple side the carriers never update anything really uh only if there's like a carrier setting yeah you see that occasionally yeah and that usually means because you know rogers or Telus or somebody has changed something about how their system works how they talk to their towers that type of thing so you should imply you should apply those all the time because it'll, it's only going to make things better um but it's it's the you know the other updates that are either from the manufacturer like a samsung or you know tcl or pixel like google whomever the android side is those you should, you're going to have to sort of maybe maybe read a little bit more into it to see what's in there. Like Graham said, there's really two kinds of updates, but it's a little bit murkier on the Android side. It is kind of murky on the Android side because there's not one consistent place that the updates are coming from, right? It could come from the manufacturer, the carrier updates as well, like the Rogers and Telesis, and then there's Google on top of that. Yeah, and, and definitely in the later versions of Android, they're trying to compartmentalize those security updates so they can be applied separate from the main operating system. Yeah. Which makes life a lot easier. Definitely. But uh, again, I think the general sense, you know, in, in talking amongst us here, if you're bleeding edge, you're a whole other kind of cat, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think you've got some good advice there, Graham. Uh, you know, when it's a major, major feature update, might might be wise to wait a week or two just to, you know, see them work the kinks out. Because inevitably, there is always some issue. 
well, it, issues. The, the thing is, though, the people that do hold off, they're the ones that have a fairly vanilla setup. Like, they don't have any kind of weird uh, mission-critical apps or something like that. That's true. Right? So you're probably fine for most most Most, most people are probably fine. We're going to talk about audiobooks now. These are uh, a popular way to digest your favorite literature in an audio format. We've got a good friend, Ted Kritsonos, on the line from Toronto, and we're uh, actually comparing a couple of the big ones out there, Audible and Audiobooks. Thanks for joining us, Ted. Good to be here. Thanks, guys. So you've had a chance to try both of these out. Do you listen to a lot of audiobooks yourself? I wasn't before, but this assignment helped me help spur me to do more of it uh, because I was comparing the two and, and I writ, written the article for, you know, get connected as well. Uh, and yeah, it, it's an interesting, you know, it's interesting to see what is on there because it's audiobooks, there's podcasts, there's quite a bit of content between them. They're both pay services as well, but do they have a free aspect? They do, but only, well, Yes, they but, so they both offer thirty day trials, so you can try it out before you actually buy anything. There is free content, particularly uh, well, the podcasts are free. For example, audiobooks.com will also have out of print books that are available to download as well. You don't even need to sign up for an account in those cases. You can just, literally just download them on the, on the app. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, no, there's uh, th- there's no real like free tier uh, or anything like that. There's no freemium model, if uh, if that makes sense. So you've had a chance to try out uh, both of them. What are what are some of the pros and cons of them? Well, for one is one thing you can never count on is are you going to like the person's voice? reading the book and I know that I, I know I know that sounds like really you know like okay really but it, you're listening to this person it, it narrate the book I mean they're, they're reciting the book uh, which in some cases could take hours depending on the length so that is one thing that you you know you 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 may like or may not like and that might be your only choice because there may not be anybody else that has recited it so there's that there is decent in you know, because I see this working in the car a lot. So people are commuting; they want to listen to something. Uh, there's full support for CarPlay and Android Auto, so there's no problem there. And there's even Audible in particular will integrate with Waze also. So if you are using Waze to commute somewhere, uh, you can have Audible built in to that, so you can still listen to the audiobook if you want. Uh, question: So do they have the same books on both services? Yes and no. There is some content that would be exclusive to one or the other, uh, at least right now. Uh, so you may have even in some cases, which is interesting, where it's the same book, but different readers. So different voices. Uh, I, I, yeah, I can't think of a title offhand, but that has happened. So you, you, for the most part, they, they, they may have some similar content, but actually quite a bit is different. So audiobooks.com, for example, as far as numbers has more content, whereas Audible has some content that, you you know, more bestsellers or maybe some stuff that it might be popular or well more well-known or different, more celebrity or well-known uh, readers uh, for, the, for their books. So, and then of course with podcasts, then it's totally different too because Audible has its own entire library uh, of exclusive content when it comes to podcasts. Let's let's talk about the pricing for both of them. Uh, how do they compare? 
They're the same. So once the 30 day trial is over, it's $15 a month. And that gives you, they work on a, on a credit system. So basically it's, they call them credits. The idea being that you, uh, you spend one credit for one audiobook. They figure that in, because a lot of audiobooks are hours in length and you're probably not gonna listen to them one shot, that you may, you know, one might be enough to get through. But if you do want more, you can get more. You can get more credits. Or, or you have the option to buy the audiobook outright, which means you then own it, regardless of whether you stay on as a member or not. So if you buy an audiobook outright, kind of like buying a Kindle book, uh, then it's, you own it, and that's it. But that's more expensive. That's about 10 bucks a book? Uh, well, it's hard for me to give you an average, but it, 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 it can be 10 bucks. It can be 20 bucks. Got I've it. Seen you know, I've seen prices that are pretty high. So the subscription, uh, 15 bucks a month, uh, is that just for one credit, one book? That's right. Yeah, it's interesting because my, my wife signed up for uh, audible.ca because there was uh, a couple books she wanted to, to listen to. Uh, but it just ended up being like a gym membership to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like she just couldn't use enough books on that monthly basis, audiobooks. And so, you know, we were six months in and she'd only used two of them. And I don't even know if she listened to both of them. And, and that's why they offer the one-time purchase yeah. option, yeah. right? So if you are hesitant to go the subscription route where, you know, and it's really not all you can eat because obviously you have to get credits. And I should mention that audiobooks.com tries to sweeten the deal by giving you a free giveaway each month. Yeah. Um, it's in, you know, it's in their VIP reward section. But again, that is a curated section that changes month to month. The idea being that if you've gone through one thing in one month, you can get through something else the next month. But that being said, this is for, I, I would always recommend a subscription for either of these. If you are a very avid listener, you are listening all the time. You're, you know, you just can't get enough of the stuff. Whereas if you're more casual, Consider just buying the audiobook you want first outright and then seeing how it fits with your lifestyle and your routine. It, it, Ted, if you if you have the the monthly subscription and you don't download a book this month, does that credit carry over and you have two credits next month? Great question. And yes, the answer is yes, it does. So the credit system is, is a rollover system, meaning that if you have unused credits, they will roll over to the following month. So if you don't use it for you know two or three months, all of a sudden you have three credits. Now, whether or not you can get through those three audiobooks in one month is a different question. Again, that's why I say routine and lifestyle really do matter here. Yeah, that's the thing I found. Uh, so, you know, after about six months of my wife not listening to audiobooks <laughs> and paying 15 bucks a month, I, you know, questioned, hey, honey, are you going to listen to these books? And she said, no, just cancel it. And, and they're quite clever. And I don't know if you found this, Ted, but I tried to cancel it. And they're like, hey, instead of canceling, why not pause for a couple months? And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I, yes, I yes. did that. Because I thought maybe, maybe she'll get into it again. But, you know, I think the few months came up and, you know, they're like, hey, it's time to restart. And I just, I canceled it. But then when you cancel it, those books are gone. Well, the books that you, that you accessed as a subscriber are gone. Yes. Not, not the ones that you bought outright. So the ones you bought outright always stay with you in your account, no matter what, even if you've canceled your subscription. So that's why 
in some cases buying the audiobook outright makes more sense than subscribing which is why that's an option and let, and, and again as i mentioned with audiobooks.com there is a certain amount of content on there that is free so there's a free section audible if you're going to find anything free it's not easy to find i can tell you that there's no section it's like literally hunting uh to find them so it, audiobooks.com on the other hand is is make makes it very easy um so you can you can gain content you can you can acquire it by either spending some money or finding the free uh, stuff finding yeah. the free stuff but it, and that might be the best way to to kind of try out not just the service but also how you feel about audiobooks especially if this is your first time yeah if you don't have any experience with them that's what i would recommend doing first so ted i'm going to ask the uh, the million dollar question choose one uh i don't know that i could to be honest i i think they both offer different things that are good um and and in some cases you'll find one book that's available in one or the other but um, I like Audible's app much better, for sure. The layout is, is easier to manage, um, but who doesn't like free stuff? That's the choice you'll have to make. Ted, thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure. Thanks. That was all about uh, audiobook apps, uh, audible.ca, uh, which is actually owned by Amazon and audiobooks.com. If you want to learn more about uh, this, Ted has written an excellent blog post up on our website, getconnectedmedia.com. You can, uh, I guess, find out and choose for yourself after you read his entire review of both of them. Don't forget to hit our website, getconnectedmedia.com. We've got lots of great reviews and how-to videos and articles up there, everything from smartphones to smart home technology. You can also check out previous radio shows and podcasts and find out more information about our sister show as well, Get Connected Radio. It's on uh, Saturdays across the country from Vancouver all the way to Toronto. So we encourage you to check that out as well. And we've always got a great contest going. You can go up to the newsletter tab and find out what we're giving away this month. Uh, It's always thousands of dollars in prizes. And once you've entered in, you are entered in for the entire year, which is is great. So you've got got a chance to win some uh, great uh, tech prizes. I want to thank all the folks that helped put the program together. Of course, uh, John uh, here in studio and Graham and uh, Christina, our producer. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.